and we are back welcome back to the podcast i am jesse and on this podcast we're going to talk about our cincinnati Bengals off-season update and there's a lot of things going on right now over the past week with the cincinnati Bengals and new free agent signing sees and then executive president katie blackburn's comments on joe mixon and i'm not saying there's drama but there's there's things we got to talk about. And also, we're going to talk about Cincinnati Reds. Opening day was on Thursday. And you guys know how I feel about the Reds and the outlook for the season. And it's not good. But today, Cincinnati did show up opening day as always. And then also, we're going to talk about March Madness. And the Final Four has been set in Houston. Or in Dallas, I believe. Yeah, Dallas or whatever. The, whatever it be, the Final Four is in Texas. And... The teams that are in the Final Four right now, I guarantee you guys did not have that when y'all filled out your brackets. If you did, stop the cap, okay? And I love it because college basketball needs parity. And there's been a lot of parity in college basketball this season. None of the Blue blue Bloods are in the Final Four. North Carolina, Duke, the Kentuckys, the Michigan States, the Kansas of the world. I love it. I love it. We'll talk about that later on the podcast. But let's first talk about Cincinnati Bengals. Off-season update. The Bengals got a tight end this week. And they signed Irvin Smith Jr. Now, when I heard about this signing, this happened around like midnight on Wednesday. And I was like, I was going to go to the bathroom, and then my phone got a notification on Twitter saying that the Bengals signed a tight end. And I'm like, oh, shit, who they signed? And then I see Irvin Smith Jr., and I'm like, oh, wait, I know this guy because he plays for the Minnesota Vikings, and he also played his college ball in Alabama. So the Bengals signed Irvin Smith Jr. to a one-year contract for the 2023 season. Irvin is 6'2", 240, has four years in the NFL, and he's out of Alabama, like I said. In 2022, with the Vikings this past season, he had 25 receptions for 182 receiving yards, two touchdowns, and a 7.3 average yards per catch. And you guys look at that and say, well, Jesse, that's not good production. According to some Viking fans that I have interacted with on Twitter this week, I basically just told them, okay, is this guy, like, good? And they say, like, yeah, he has the upside and potential to be a solid tight end. It's just that he needed to be in a system with a good quarterback. And the Vikings quarterback is Kirk Cousins. And you guys know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I actually like Cousins, but he's no Joe Burr. Now, with Smith coming to the Bengals, and now he's get the chance to play with Joe Burrow. And also, Jamar Chase on Twitter said that he loves the signing. His gift was like, I don't know if you guys remember the gift of the kids in the lunchroom. They're all dancing. That's what Jamar Chase tweeted, that gift, when the Bengals officially made the signing of Smith Jr. So, Jamar Chase loves it. And now, Irving gets to play with Joe Burrow. A better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, obviously. So, maybe that will help him 
just bring out his potential talent that is out there. So we'll see. He had a postseason touchdown with the Vikings last year in the NFC wildcard game against the Giants, where the where the Vikings choked. Shocker. Overall in his NFL career, Urban Smith has 91 receptions for 858 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, and a 9.4 average yards per catch. Now this week I did watch some of his film. He's a very good blocker in space at the second level. And I was watching one video where he did a great job of tracking these guys and using his athleticism. When you look at Urban Smith Jr. and then you look at former Bengal Hayden Hurst, who signed with the Carolina Panthers two weeks ago, Urban is very lean. And you would not think that he's a tight end. He looks like a wide receiver. So that's why he has that athleticism because he's 240, but I'm like, damn, that guy's 240? Really? So I like it. And then you look at Hayden Hurst, he's pretty much, he is built like a tight end. He has that tight end build. So the Bengals got athleticism and speed at the tight end position with this signing. I like it. Now, in the 2019 draft, I didn't think Smith Jr. was a second round pick. That's where he was drafted. But now the Bengals were starving and he is shown to be a capable tight end number two. Like I said, with some athleticism and natural receiving skills. See, the goal of all of this is should be that we should have a starting player at every position before heading into the NFL draft. Irvin Smith helps that. Now, you can draft a tight end high or you can let one fall to you. Bengals don't need to force it now, which is, which is pretty much the ideal situation. So I really like the signing and... I do think the Bengals are going to draft a tight end, but I don't want them to draft a tight end with their first pick of the NFL draft. I've stated that. Now, yes, I said that the Bengals should potentially go for a tight end like a Michael Mayer or I want a Dalton Kincaid, but that dude out of Utah has back issues. So that's like a red flag. But I think the Bengals are either going to get a cornerback or offensive lineman with their 28th pick of the draft. And I believe they're going to go with that route. I don't think they're going to get a tight end with their first pick of the draft. I think they're going to find a tight end in this year's draft. It's going to be in a later round. It's like the fourth or fifth round. But I really like this signing of Urban Smith Jr. And if you guys want to look up his YouTube highlights with the Vikings, you can do that. Also, you can look up his highlights when he played in college for the Alabama Kinsman Tide. Also, this week, the Bengals signed a cornerback. His name is Sidney Jones. One-year contract. Six foot, 181. Six years out of the University of Washington. He's formerly a second-round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. <clears throat> when I saw this signing, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what does this mean for Eli Apple, who 
some Bengals fans think that the Bengals are going to get rid of. The, the signing of Sidney Jones means that this is the end of Eli Apple. I don't know, but it's intriguing. It really is. Because I think Eli Apple played really good last year. <clears throat> and obviously, he's going to have his moments. And as much as Eli drives me crazy with his... <laughs> After the whistle antics and then talking a lot of crap on Twitter. For being the third cornerback in the depth chart, he's really good, guys. He is. And you guys can make fun of him about him getting cooked a lot. But if if you're a casual NFL fan, then you guys are really not looking at the real stats. Like, if you guys have pro football focus, go look at that. Because during the season, I've been, like, looking up Eli Apples' numbers and stats. And they're, like, the top in the league when it comes to that, when when it comes to pro football focus. But some people don't look at that. They just look at his moments when he gets burnt. And then when he talks a lot of crap on Twitter and then he doesn't back it up, then everyone says, oh, Eli Apple sucks. In my opinion, I think the Bengals should keep Eli because of depth. And if the Bengals do end up not keeping Eli, then that's the reason why the Bengals signed Sidney Jones. Either way, whatever the Bengals do in that situation, I'm not going to be like upset. They keep Eli, great. Great depth player. And he knows the system. Lou loves him. And we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <clears throat> so that's pretty much the Bengals free agency signings of the week. Let's talk about the Bengals executive vice president, Katie Blackburn. Yes. Katie Blackburn and the Bengals organization up top has done a great job. Over the last two years. Okay. So at the close of the NFL spring meeting. Bengals executive vice president. Clay Backburn. Jetta back home Wednesday. Intent on keeping two things. In Cincinnati for a very long time. So those two things are. Franchise quarterback Joe Burr. And his home at Paycor Stadium. This is what Blackburn said. of Of the two biggest deals. On the club's agenda. She said and I quote. We've got Joe Burrow. And we got the stadium lease. They're both exciting opportunities. It's that time that we're beginning to think about it. And also Blackburn confirmed. That there have been preliminary discussions. With Burrow's agent. For an extension. But also said there has been a vow of silence. Between the two parties. That's good. Because. You look at the whole Lamar Jackson soap opera drama and it's just a mess with the contracts talks with Joe Burr everything is just quiet which is good because they don't want to just you know make it keep put it out there they oh we we it say they say like well we don't got nothing going on with Joe Burr and then it's like oh people are going to create some necessary drama no we're just going to keep it quiet it's going to happen when it's going to happen And I love that. And this is what she says. She says, 
I don't know the pace, but we hope that there's something that can get done, she said. We sort of said we won't, we won't talk about it much until there's something to talk about, which I like it. That's good. <clears throat> and also, Blackburn talked about the specifics regarding the stadium lease between the club and Hamilton County, but hinted there are more improvements soon to be announced when talking about the stadium lease. This is what she said. We're actually going in and doing some improvements a little bit this year ourselves. And hopefully that sends a message that we're willing to invest, Blackburn said. We hope we can take a look at the whole lease situation with the county and get something that would make the lease situation settle for a while, for a while and work well for the county and us. She said also... What we're trying to do is a good thing for the area and have this situation settle for a while. So we're going to we're going into it hoping we can do it in a way that keeps on a positive note. I like that. So Pecor Stadium, there's going to be improvements, which you love to see that. Also, she said that about the extended deals of not only Joe Burr, but two of his 2020 draft classmates. Wide receiver T. Higgins, who this past week, he is now number five in his jersey number. T. Higgins was number five when he played in high school, number five when he played in college in Clemson, 85 in his first three seasons of the league. Now he's going back to number five. I like the I like the change. And also he said that he wants Chad Johnson to be like Everybody's saying that T. Higgins is Ocho Cinco 2.0 and him and Chad have a good relationship. It's like he wants to be T. Higgins and not be someone else. I love that. I love that. So T. Higgins will be number five in his jersey number. Also, talk about middle linebacker, middle linebacker Logan Wilson. Talking about the extended deals between Higgins and Wilson. That could happen. She said that the size of Burr's deal does not dictate the order in which they can be done. Wow. I love that. Because I think a lot of people, some Bengals fans are like, well, Joe Burr's deal is going to be lots of money. Yeah, because he deserves it. And they're saying that, well, when that contract extension gets, you know, official. That means that we don't go, we're not going to have a lot of money to keep Higgins or Logan Wilson. It's not the case. And I love what Blackburn said here. She said, in quote, They're all great guys that we love having and want to have for a while. A long time on our team. So it's just a process that always, puts, that, that always plays out however it plays out. We'll be looking at all of the options and alternatives and thinking about what we might be able to get done. So, I believe the Bengals are going to sign T. Higgins to a contract extension and also Logan Wilson. They're going to get it done. And I don't think the Joe Burr contract extension is going to be the reason why. I think the Bengals are going to make sure of it. And these players want to stay in Cincinnati. And it's all about the Joe Burr effect. Like, Irvin Smith Jr., like I talked about earlier, a lot of teams wanted him. And he chose the Bengals over the Dolphins. And 
Dolphins have a good team. Solid quarterback and a solid nucleus as well. But he chose Cincinnati because he believes the Bengals can take that next step to finally win a Super Bowl. And he believes he can win a Super Bowl in Cincinnati. And I love that. The Joe Burrow effect, guys, is real. It really is. Okay, so during the whole 35-minute media conversation that Blackbird had on Wednesday, she talked about Joe Mixon and what's his status with the team and if the teams are, if the team is going to even resign him or they're going to keep him or they're going to let him go. We don't know. But a lot of people are like thinking, are the Bengals going to get rid of Joe Mixon? And here's her quotes, okay? And Blackburn said running back Joe Mixon is the man for now on the roster, but also indicated that things can change when it comes to handling potential renegotiation along with possible additions and free agency in the draft. Here's what she said. He's done a lot of great things for the team. I think he's still got a lot of great production in him. There's a whole myriad of things that can happen, and I don't want to imply that anything is going to happen or not going to happen because it, it all can depend on so many other things. It's a big jigsaw puzzle, and you can put one piece in, and maybe that changes the way you see another piece. So we just have to wait and see how things play out. If you guys, like, hear the audio of that, which is on Twitter, it sounds like... When I first initially heard it, when I heard her voice when talking about it, I was like, oh, that that doesn't seem very... confident that he's going to stay. Like... She mentioned the great things he's done here and mentions that Mixon still can produce at a high level. But what I got from that is that Mixon's time in Cincinnati may be coming to an end. Like, I'm not 100% sure that's going to happen, but it could. Do I want Mixon as a Bengal? Yes, I really do. And she also talked about the whole situation, this off-season stuff with the law. And she just mentioned that she hopes all of that gets resolved and that they can, like, move on from that and now focus on more on football aspects of things with Joe Mixon. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. If I had to put my comps to the level of if the Bengals are going to keep Joe Mixon from 1 to 10, 10 being confident, 1 obviously being it ain't going to happen. Right now, I'm at a 5. Like, I'm in the middle. Like, I could see them cutting him or I could see them keeping him. I think it's all going to depend on what the Bengals do in an, in the draft coming up next month. If the Bengals do go the running back route, and get some and get a running back in the NFL draft, either maybe in the third round, fourth round, 
that could be an indication that, you know what? Either they're drafting that running back for the future or that running back could potentially be a candidate to make the team out of camp or challenge Mixon for the running back spot. We don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing I'm just throwing out I'm just throwing things out there out of the head right now. But I hope the Bengals keep mixing. I really do. Even though him running the football last year was very inconsistent, dude had more receptions on the team than Tyler Boyd. Even though he wasn't to the caliber of running that he was when he first came out of the league, he's still productive. And when... You saw in the Bills game, when that Joe Mixon plays like that, he's one of the best running backs in the AFC. He is. But it's just the inconsistency and then the money aspects that goes into it. We'll see what the Bengals do there. We will. Also, Blackburn talked about Jonah Williams. Reported a request of the trade. Blackburn said... He could be one of their five best linemen, but it's another situation that also fluid. Williams, the starting left tackle since he was taken with the 11th pick in the 2019 draft, has been moved to a right tackle competition with the signing of Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. This is what Blackburn said. I'm not sure he said he doesn't want to be with the team. These things happen. We're going to try and get our best team out there. We hear his concerns. But at the end of the day, we'll just have to see where it all plays out. And if he's and if he's here, we're going to get our five best guys out there. We've obviously looked at our offensive line the last couple of, of years and really try to strengthen it. And I think we've done a great job with that. So we got some good options. Also, this past week, there was news saying that the Bengals didn't communicate with Jonah before they were playing to sign. Orlando Brown Jr. Apparently, he was blindsided. The team didn't tell him ahead of time they were thinking of moving him to right tackle, according to a source. Jonah really felt blindsided by that. How did Joe Barrow feel when he gets blindsided, when he gets sacked a lot because of you? I'm just saying, I'm not trying to like be malicious towards Jonah Williams, but it's like, dude, really? <laughs> really? So we'll see. We'll see how this whole Jonah Williams things plays out. I still think that he's going to play for the Bengals in 2023. After the season? Most likely not. Most likely not. So the Bengals do go with another lineman in the draft, especially with their first pick. That's indication that Jonah's time in Cincinnati will be coming to end either... Before the season starts or after the season. So, lots of Bengals talk. And, guys, we're almost a month away from the NFL draft. So, I can't wait. And that's going to be a great week. Obviously, we're going to have a podcast before the draft and also after the draft recapping. So, looking forward to it. All right, let's transition into baseball. Yes, opening day began on Thursday for 
all 30 MLB teams. And your Cincinnati Reds took on the Pittsburgh Pirates at Great American Ballpark on Thursday. A record crowd at GABP. 44,063, a new stadium regular season record cap. And they saw the Reds lose to the Pittsburgh Pirates 5-4. 23-year-old Hunter Green was the opening day starter for the Cincinnati Reds. He only lasted three and one-third innings. And the reason why Hunter Green only lasted the way he did is because he was pretty much in full counts with the Pirates batters pretty much from the opening pitch. And you credit the Pirates. They were making Hunter Green work. There were a lot of 3-2 counts, and they were fouling pitches off, and Hunter threw 44 pitches of 100-mile-per-hour fastballs, which is crazy. Also, during the game... They clocked Hunter Green throwing 105 miles per hour. And I was like, oh, damn. I mean, that's cool and all, but I just don't want that dude to blow off his, his, his arm. I mean, it's cool to throw 100 miles per hour, but baseball players today, they can hit that with ease. It's not like, it's not like it was 10 years ago where, or 15 years ago or 20 years ago when Randy Johnson was throwing like 99 miles per hour. No one could hit it. Now... You throw 100, 101, 102, baseball players are just like, okay, easy. They'll hit the ball. So, Hunter Green's stat line on its opening day debut. Three one-third innings pitch, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, eight strikeouts, allowed a home run, and he threw 83 pitches. Just a command. That's That's the thing with Hunter Green. Command, command, command. I think that was the issue for him last year. But let's hope that he can be better in 2023. Spencer Steer hit a solo home run in the fourth inning. And then first baseman starter Jason Volser. Joey Votto's on the 10-day DL to start the season. Volser hit a two-run triple in the fifth inning to tie the game at the moment at 4-4. Reds pitchers, they issued nine walks. That's not good. Jonathan India had two hits. And then the Reds' first inning, it could have been more. And I think that was a bummer. India got on with a hit, then Friedel, then Fraley. And then with the bases loaded with no outs, okay, Tyler Stevenson up, and he hits the first pitch. I get it. The pitcher... Is trying to throw strikes. As the batter, you're trying to be aggressive. I wish at that at that at bat Stevenson would have been more patient. And if he would have worked around the count, the pitcher would have threw a mistake pitch right down the middle. And you know, that inning could have been a lot more for the Reds. So Stevenson ended up hitting the first pitch, grounded into a double play. The Reds did score a run at that play at that play, but still only one run in the first inning after having a base load of no outs. That was kind of a bummer right there. It's only one game. Okay, one game out of 162. The Reds are having an off day today as usual after opening day. And we'll 
play on Saturday at 4.10 and then on Sunday at 1.10. So let's hope they can at least win a game in this series because during the broadcast, we're talking about how the Pirates were not good against the rest of the NFL Central teams. But when it comes to the Reds, last year, they just pretty much pound the Reds. And that makes no sense at all, but kind of does because the Reds are not the Reds aren't good. But oh well, let's hope the Reds can just get a win in this series, or hell, win the next two games. You can be over five hundred, and then you can go from there. I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying. I know what to expect from this team. I saw the lineup <laughs> for opening day, and I'm like, oof. So. Only game one. 161 games. 161 more games to go. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Let's talk about and transition into the final four in men's college basketball. You guys want to take a hint on who's in the final four? Is it Duke? Is it North Carolina? Is it Kansas? Is it Kentucky? No, it is San Diego State, Aztecs, the Florida Atlantic, what is the mascot's name? Oh, I forgot. And then we have the Miami Hurricanes and the Yukon Huskies. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, San Diego State beat top seed overall, Alabama in the Sweet 16 last Friday. And then Florida Atlantic beat Kansas State to advance to the Final Four. And then the Miami Hurricanes beat 2 seed Texas after trailing by 13 in the second half. And then UConn beat the shit out of Gonzaga to advance to the Final Four. So right now, people are saying that UConn, this is UConn's championship to lose. If I had to pick who's going to win. So let's go to the final four games that is coming up on Saturday. San Diego State versus Florida Atlantic. San Diego State has a good defense. They're very on offense. But their defense, it travels. But Florida Atlantic, great story. They can shoot the three ball. I mean, they compete. You know what? I'm taking Florida Atlantic. Either way, Florida Atlantic or San Diego State are going to be playing in the national title game. That's wild. And then we got the Hurricanes of Miami versus the Huskies of Connecticut. UConn's on fire right now. But also, Miami is a scrappy team. They don't give up. Their head coach, Jim Laranaga. I hope I pronounced that right. Remember back in 2006, he played, I mean, he coached at George Mason. And George Mason made that Final Four run. And they defeated UConn in the Elite Eight to make it to the Final Four. They end up losing to North Carolina. No, they didn't. I forgot who they ended up losing to. I think it was Florida. Yeah. 
It's a tough one. You know what? I'm taking I'm taking the Hurricanes. I'm taking Miami. I think Miami's just they got some they got some players on the team and like I said they compete and they don't give up. So it's the Battle of Florida for the National Championship. Florida Atlantic versus Miami. <laughs> Who would have thought that? I'm I'm taking the Hurricanes. I think the Miami Hurricanes are going to win the National Championship. Now, I'm definitely can be wrong. I was wrong with my picks in the Sweet 16 last week when I made those on the podcast. But I love it. We need parody in college basketball, and we got it. This is going to be two great Final Four semifinal games. Can't wait to watch them. So, yeah. Is there anything else? Anything else? I think that's it. So... Bengals offseason is heating up. Just never know what's going to happen next. And a lot of people are like, man, when's Joe Burrow going to get signed? It's patience, guys. Patience. It's going to happen. And when that does happen, I will do an emergency podcast. I'll drop whatever I'm doing and make a podcast of when the Bengals do sign Joe Burrow to that big contract extension. So it's going to happen. All right, guys, you guys have a good weekend, and it should be a good weekend of sports. You got the Final Four, the Reds are playing, FC Cincinnati is still undefeated, and I think they're the only undefeated team, or the, un- the only team that is unbeaten in MLS so far. That's a good team. FC is playing Inter-Miami on Saturday night at TQL Stadium. I guarantee TQL Stadium this summer is going to draw more fans than what the Reds are going to draw in Great American Ballpark because FC is a good draw right now. And the Reds aren't, unfortunately, thanks to the thanks to the front office of the Cincinnati Reds. So FC is good. So you guys should go to a soccer game. And then got the final four games. You got the Reds. And then and that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's pretty much what's going on this weekend. So you guys have a good weekend. And I will talk to you guys next week with another edition of the offseason podcast with the Cincinnati Bengals. And then I'll talk about the Reds and talk about who is national title champion of March Madness. And then talk about Bearcats football and basketball for their offseason as well. All right, guys, I am out. Have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.